Well, hello, uh, my name's Miguel, and um, I'm still around. Yeah, I'm hanging out today. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been so great because, um, uh, you know, I said bye like six months ago, right? Like, come on, leave already. Um, no, but I've said, people have seen me around recently, and, uh, and they've been like, Mikhail, you're still here. And I'm like, yeah, is that a problem? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and so like, yeah, oh, man, good to see you. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen you in a while. You're still here. That's great. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I've been avoiding you, you know. Just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's been great. And listen, if you're new here, um, I, I just have to say this. Um, I, I'm just a product of the love and generosity of this church uh, here at Grace Church. So I stand before you as living proof. If you are looking for a church home, look no further, okay? Welcome home to Grace Church. This is a phenomenal church. Um, and to say goodbye, this is my last Sunday here, to say goodbye is just a, it's a hard breakup. You know what I'm saying? It's a hard breakup. But uh, we've been so blessed by Grace Church. And so, so yes, I, no, the, the truth is I have not been avoiding you. Uh, yes, I have been in town. My family is leaving on June 30th. So this Wednesday, uh, we'll officially be flying out. And so moving on to the next assignment following the Lord. But, um, you know, during seasons of change and transitions, um, summertime, I don't know why, but summertime seems to be that for many people. Um, there's just seasons of change, seasons of transition. And there are things sometimes in those seasons where we just avoid, like the gym. Okay? I've been avoiding it. I'm going to confess that to all my beach body friends out there watching. You're probably thinking, Miguel, call me. I got a plan. I got a workout. Thank you. Okay? Um, you know, maybe it's that. Um, maybe there's other things you've been avoiding. Maybe you've just been avoiding rest. You know, um, you're busy. Uh, you've been going, 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 and you're just tired, right? You're, you just need some rest. Uh, you've been avoiding it because you're just working so much. Um, maybe, uh, just maybe, there are people in your life that you've been avoiding. Um, maybe it's the in-laws. I don't know. Maybe it's your neighbor. I don't know. But um, when I did a quick search online of kind of the, the top things that people ignore or that we avoid, it's usually a person. <laughs> It's usually a name. There's a name attached. You're thinking of that person right now. Like if I were to see them today in the lobby, I would immediately go to the other exit. You know, um, it's just, there's this natural thing that we avoid a lot of different things in our life. But today I want to talk to you um, about a passage in scripture of a person in John chapter four. Um, that's where we're going to be. It's been something that God's laid on my heart all week. I've been working with this passage all week, studying it. And uh, so let's go ahead and turn there. John chapter four. It says this. So he, that's Jesus, uh, starting in verse three. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go. Everyone say had to go. That's right. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noontime. It was lunchtime. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, quick history lesson here, okay? Um, if you know anything about your history, about the Babylonian Empire, um, there was a time where there was what was called the, the Babylonian exile. This is where Babylon 
came and took over the southern kingdom of Judea and the Jewish people um, were taken captive. A large population of the Jewish people were, were taken captive by the Babylonians. And let me just say, if you know the story of Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were Babylonian names, by the way. Um, Daniel were one of the captive in that Babylonian exile. So when he was young, you know, he, he was taken captive. So in this time, they took a large majority and what they left, what the Babylonians left behind were the people that they regarded, okay, that they regarded as the lowly of society, the lowly regarded people, um, the low classes of society. That's whoever they deemed that to be, okay, they left those Jews behind and those Jews intermarried with other non-Jewish races, something about five or so different races. And what came to be known from that emerged the Samaritans. That's where we get the Samaritans from. The Samaritans emerged this ethnic um, and religious group. So because the Samaritans had, did have an affiliation and association with the Jewish tradition and, and, and faith, um, their faith was really a combination of the commands of the law of Moses, okay, the law of Moses that we know, the Torah. Um, in addition to that, there was also a combination of various superstitions and cultic practices. So this was really the, the Samaritans in this day and as they grew up in this time. And the Jews, let me just go ahead and say, despised. I mean, strongly, strongly despised the Samaritans, disliking them even more than Gentiles. If you don't know Gentiles, they're just completely non-Jewish. There's no Jewish in there, Gentile. Um, they completely despised the Samaritans more than the Gentiles because, again, according to this, um, religiously speaking, they would have been called half-breeds or considered half-breeds. Um, they were an eclectic, very much a, a mongrel type faith. Um, in fact, there was a time the Samaritans actually built their own temple for Yahweh God. And, and it was in 128 BC that the Jewish uh, people burned it down. Not really a great housewarming gift, okay? For their new temple, right? This, this made, obviously, made it even worse. And over the years and decades, this relationship was so, so hated and very divided. It was ugly. They despised it. And, and Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. Now, now let me go further because there's also a geographical issue with this, okay? Um, I got a map for you. There were two routes that you technically, physically could take. To the Jew, there was only one. Okay, uh, there was one route. People often took this route from Galilee to Judea or Judea to Galilee, back and forth. This was very common. Um, now, this map shows a really wide loop um, that could have been possible where it's really into the region of Perea. But more than likely, if you were a Jew in this day, you would take the path around Samaria, which would have been along the Jordan. If you can see, there's a Jordan line. It's actually a Jordan River. They would have taken that, and that would have been the traditional primary way to get to and from Galilee to Judea. So, for example, Mary married with, uh, you know, to Joseph, the son, baby Jesus, the Christmas story. When they had to go from Nazareth, where, where obviously um, uh, they went back, you know, Jesus was raised in Nazareth, but they went when they had to go back to. Bethlehem, that is in Judea, um, it actually would have been about a little bit south 
west of uh, Jerusalem. Um, if, when they traveled from, from Galilee to Judea, they would have gone along the Jordan River. Okay, they would have been around. They work around it. Um, the path going straight up is clearly the shortest route, um, but that's not the route that people took. I mean, it was a serious division. It, was, it, was, it wasn't just this casual avoidance. Um, this was very much a, a avoided area, an avoided people group that so much so that they actually, the Jews would nurture their hatred, okay, toward this people group. They avoided it so much that they nurtured it. I wonder if there's areas of your life that we avoid so much that we actually nurture it. We, we plan and we strategize around it. Just to get work around it, I need to avoid that person, that thing, that situation. So we're going to plan, strategize, and work really hard around it. In that map, it takes twice as long. A three-day trip going straight up, straight down, takes six days to go around along the Jordan River. I mean, it takes twice as long to go through it. But this is Samaria, and this day you wouldn't have known better if you grew up in this time, if you're a Jewish boy, a Jewish girl, and you grew up, that's the only way you go. You don't even say the word Samaria, right? You don't say the word Samaritan. That, that's not, you don't talk about it. This, this is so divided. This is Samaritan. Uh, we avoid Samaritans. We avoid Samaria. And here's what I want to make sure I, I, I pose this today, uh, and, and I submit to you today, and if you're watching online, we all have a Samaria. Listen carefully. We all have some area of our life we avoid. Come on now. <laughs> I worked hard. I was working really hard. <laughs> but that's true, right? When I'm like, Samaria, Samaria, we have Samaria. We have some area of our life that we avoid. Come on, let's be honest with each other. That, that's what we do. We avoid it so well. And so we need to figure out that what is our, what is your Samaria? And the reason it's important for you to know that is because we often work around the places God wants us to walk through. So often, most of our day, most of our week, most of our planning, we work around, right, around the places that God clearly is trying to get us to walk through. Maybe it's convenient. Oh, there's a beautiful Jordan River. That's a better route, you know. Um, it's easier maybe. It's, it's simpler. It's convenient. Whatever the reason is, we often will work around it. Again, and work really hard. We put more energy. We put more time. We put more planning just to avoid some area of our life. You know, I, often I, I ask people today in, in today's world, I ask people, hey, how, how are you doing? Simple question. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? The number one response I get today is I'm tired. I'm tired. Now, this isn't like physical tired, like, yeah, doing CrossFit, you know, and so I'm tired. My, my biceps are sore now. No, that's good. Great. Good for you. Okay. Uh, or maybe you're tired from your work, manual labor, and you're working outside, or you're working all day, or you're a stay-at-home mom. Like, you're tired. I get that. Like, you're physically tired. That's good. That's great. And, and keep it up. But I'm talking about 
a weariness and, and being tired on the inside. You're tired of the season you've been in. You're tired of the changes and the constant changes. You want to know what I'm tired about? Not knowing what to believe on the media or online. Like what's true? <laughs> Who do I believe? I don't know what to do. You know what I do? I just keep opening my Bible, man. I can always rely on the word of God, you know, like that. But, but, but like, I'm tired of it. I'm like, goodness, how many times am I going to hear this in like 50 different ways? I have no idea. Should I go outside today? I don't know. I don't know. I might die. Too. Like, it's, it's just like, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm just tired. Are you tired today? Are you just, are you just on the inside, just so worn out? See, or perhaps we're tired and this has happened in my own life too. I'm right there with you. Perhaps we're tired because we've been exhausting ourselves fighting God, working around, working uh, around the clock, if you will, putting more energy and time and focus in, in working around what God wants us to do rather than submitting to what God's will is for our life and walk through some area. Just a thought here, just a little side note. If it's not God's will, you can't force it. If it is God's will, you can't stop it. There's a surrender message in that moment. So let's keep reading. John 4, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to get some in and out. Double-doubles, animal style, always. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. N now you understand the context here, right? You're like, yeah, you're a Samar I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. See, listen, if you're a disciple of Jesus, like um, there were times that you could barely understand that Jesus would meet and eat with publicans and sinners, but at least they were Jew. This would have crossed the line in this culture. Significantly crossed the line. No, Jesus. And we would have been just as shocked. Come on, don't kid yourself. We would have been just as shocked. We would have sent Jesus an email after the service and been like, you can't, you can't do ministry like that, Jesus. No. Come on, you can't, you can't talk to people like that. You can't talk about certain groups of people on a stage when everyone's watching. You can't do that, Jesus. I've been in church for 40 years. That's not how it's done. You don't go there, Jesus. <laughs> did, did I... Some of you are fighting me on the inside. <laughs> you're like, if you're new with us, my name is Dan Frank. I'm just, okay, okay, okay. But come on, let, don't, don't, don't kid yourself. Like we get angry when someone cuts us off in traffic or gets in front of us in line when we've been waiting. We lose it. We would have been absolutely livid about this moment. But this is Jesus, right? The savior of the world. This is Jesus, the one who is willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. That doesn't make sense. Like in your head, you're, you're, you're like, logically, you would think there's 99. But he, he goes after the one. 
This is Jesus, the one who loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. This is Jesus, the one who came from heaven to earth, who crosses boundaries and borders, culturally speaking and geographically speaking, because he loves you, because Jesus is for all, forever, period. But let's keep reading because your Bible's legit and this is, this is good. Open your Bible more. This is good. John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew. Everyone just say, if you knew. If you knew. If you knew. Man, I could like do a whole other message on that. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and, I, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she's a little confused here. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well's really deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. If you only knew who it is who was talking with you, if you and I only knew who Jesus really was, really is today in our life, we would pray more boldly. We would serve more regularly. We would give more generously. We would walk with him more closely if we actually knew and believed the God of the Bible and Jesus working in and through our life. If we knew who Jesus really was, if we knew who he was, there's a lifestyle that you and I have been living that we would realize it's not gonna satisfy. It's not gonna satisfy us. And so if you're here today and you're going, you're at Grace, you're at Grace, listen, and you're watching Grace Church Online by no accident. This is not an accident that we're here today. This is a divine interruption and invitation from God. If we just knew who Jesus was, how would our life look so different? But for many of us, it doesn't look that way. And, and I ask the question, how's your soul? Most of our souls are in need of refreshing. Most of us spend the majority of our day in chaos. I get it, it's in chaos. We are just trying to get through. And every human heart on the planet is all looking for the same thing, peace and rest and replenishment for your soul. But the way you and I deal with the issues of life most of the time is by ignoring it and just avoid it. If I don't, if I don't have to deal with it, I'm, I'm just not going to answer that call. I'm just not going to respond to that email. I'm just not going to go to that place. We hide. We avoid people, churches, crowds, and communities. We hide. And when you're asked, <laughs> when you're asked, hey, how are you doing? You put on a front in the lobby. Man, we're really good at that. We're like pro pretenders. How are you doing today? Blessed. <laughs> right? Like we're, maybe not quite like that, but you, you get it. Like, 
we do this. We, like, there's like a default response. We, how you doing? Great, fine. Everything's good. No, I'm fine. Okay, cool. We, I do it too. We put on this front. We cover, we hide. And this woman in this passage, she's hiding something. She has a reputation about her and she's hiding. Let's keep reading John 4 verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now pause for a second. That was verse 15. Pause for a second. That would have been a great time right there for Jesus to just stop. Good. I'm the living water. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. Let's do this. Give your life to Jesus. He didn't have the Romans road at the time, but he knew it, you know. So he's like, let me give you the plan of salvation here. That would have been a great time to just stop. If you're an evangelist, right, and you're like doing street evangelism, you want to talk to people about Jesus, you pull out your Bible like, and you have someone that you don't even know, a complete stranger, you just met them, and they are now saying, hey, I want to be saved. What do you do in that moment? You go, let me call Pastor Dan. No, don't do that. You just... You just go, let's pray together. Let me show you the scriptures. You're so excited and you're going to celebrate it later. I get it. Like, but this is good. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus brings something up because there's something she's hiding. There's something he wants to address with her. So instead of pausing there and doing a quick salvation moment, he says this in verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is true. A quick side note here. For many of us, you may have been married and divorced and that doesn't make it wrong. I'm going to say that. There are situations where that may have been a very good situation that you left that relationship. Maybe there was some physical abuse going on, maybe other situations. So let me just disclaimer, the divorce is not the focus here, okay? The separating. Jesus is not confronting her because she's had godly separations. (laughs) He's confronting her because she had lived very promiscuously and the man she's now with isn't even her husband. The man she's with, quote unquote, you get it. I'm not, parents can fill in the blank later with their kids if you're watching. The man she's with now isn't her husband. There's, there's something that she was going through there. She, she was hiding. She had tried everything else to satisfy her. And it wasn't. She was now just trying to stay out of that. See, here's how I know she was hiding. In this day and culture, Jacob's well, the well, was common for women to go in groups together. They would go early in the morning together in, in, a, in a big group, and they would draw water from the well. The text actually says that she comes at noon. It was strategic. She planned. She wanted to make sure. She's going, just making sure no one's there. Is anyone there? Cool. Okay, I'm just going to slip in. Make sure no one's there. Oh, there's a Jewish man. Oh, no. You know, hopefully he doesn't talk to me. <laughs> All right. She was trying to hide. She was trying to keep out of the crowd, stay away from things. She didn't want community and conversation. She, she's hiding her lifestyle. 
As a pastor, I see this all the time when I see people who maybe I find out have been living immorally or maybe they've been making bad decisions, okay? Whatever that is, okay? They're just off track. The pattern I've seen that follows that is they are disconnected from community. All of a sudden, have you seen Bob? If your name's Bob, no, I'm not talking about, okay. Have you seen so-and-so? They haven't been to church in a while. What tends to happen when you know something is wrong, we isolate. What did Adam and Eve do when they first disobeyed God and sinned into the world? They hid and covered themselves. They didn't want to be seen anymore. And that's what we do when we do something wrong, when, we, when we're living a certain way and you know it's off, you know it's not godly. We don't celebrate that. We hide. We cover. And you know, most of the time, people think that, you know, you know a person because you know their profile on Instagram or, or TikTok or whatever. Like, oh man, I know so-and-so. You've never met them. Well, yeah, but he's my favorite. She's my favorite. I'm like, well, great. The singer is great, all that. But you don't know them. Just for, just the reality is this too. Just like us, when we post, we don't post the deep, darkest secrets online. <laughs> Come on, out of the 100 pictures, we post the one that is the best where all the kids are looking at the camera <laughs> and smiling. And then we put a filter and we take 10 or 15 minutes to get the right caption. And then, and then you delete it and then you go back and oops, I actually put on my stories. I'm going to delete that. You're, you're just fumbling through trying to present yourself in a certain way. But you and I know it's just a show. It's just a show. And in the world that you and I live in today, a world that feels the need to be filtered, to be accepted. A world that presents a highlighted, masqueraded version of itself. More often than not, we are not what we show. We are what we hide. In today's world, maybe there's a day where everyone knows your name, right? Maybe there's a day where you knew everything about everybody in the town. Not today. Not today. More often than not, we are what we hide. We are who we are behind closed doors when nobody is looking, uh, when, when you don't have people in front of you or following that you can pretend in front of. That's us. And in those quiet, private places, isolated, there's a well that you and I go to to draw from thinking it will satisfy. And it is in those spaces that Jesus meets us. And that's the place where he met this woman. He's going, go, call your husband. We're going to talk about this. She tried everything. The world doesn't satisfy. You want to know why the world doesn't satisfy? You can try everything, but you want to know why? You and I were not created for this world. C.S. Lewis said it better than I did. He says this, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. See, sometimes because of our pride and our stubbornness, we will try everything in this world. But come on, Miguel, I gotta try this, I gotta do this. And once you attain that trophy or that medal or that promotion, once you make the cover of Forbes magazine and you, you become the successful business owner, once you start that, you know what you end up finding? You end up going, well, now what? 
empty, not satisfied, always wanting more. And I've seen people take that journey in life and some people don't even make it. And Jesus is here and he's speaking to her and he's saying, your desire has been and will always be for me, Jesus. That's why in John 7, verse 37, he stands up in front of a large crowd the last day of the festival in John 7, and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Your souls are weary. Come to me. You're tired on the inside. There is some area of your life you're avoiding, and it's draining you. He's saying, come to me. Now let me just finish this story. We'll be done for today, but if you continue reading the story, Jesus actually does reveal that he is the Messiah to this woman. He's saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one where you've been thinking about, waiting for, I'm him. And then verse 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, which man right there is so significant, leaving behind what you actually, she was actually there to get, she doesn't need it anymore. She leaves it behind. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knew me. He knew me. Could this be the Messiah? And then let's skip down to verse 39. Let's finish this. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, and she's told the story. So don't miss this. This woman goes back to the village. What village? The place where her greatest worldly thirsts were. The place that had a grip on her life. The place where all hope was lost. And many people believed. Which means this. What if the places we are avoiding have the potential for a great awakening? What if that some area of your life that we are avoiding has the potential for a great awakening? The places that, are, that we have been thirsting for become the places God uses us for to pour back into. The places that have become a trap for us now become a place of triumph. The place that is your greatest stumbling block now become a stepping stone for the gospel and a revival happens. Jesus had to go through Samaria. You and I must go through some area that we've been avoiding. And what if that area has the potential for the gospel and a revival and a miracle for the cause of Christ in your life? What's your Samaria? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this story in John chapter 4. Thank you for your word. Lord, what, may we pause for a moment and reflect and take inventory of our life what have we been working around that you want us to walk through? Avoiding that you want us to take through. Would we be able to recognize our some area and follow you? In Jesus' name, amen.